that silent night when the stars turn their gaze to marvel at the earth. When the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable. When a young mother wept tears of worship, falling on the baby in her arms. And the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem, soft as the tender beating of his heart. And all was calm, all was bright. Yet could this be the same God of Abraham, the conqueror of Israel, this baby, this fragile life? Is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies, whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms, who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament? of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts who breathed life from dust broke the oppressor's rule scattered the chains of his people like sand and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on sinai's peak who surrounded job with a roaring wind stood defiant in the raging furnace wrote judgment against tyrants and blazed on the lips of the prophets scorching history's pages with the fury of his might could this be the same god who chose to come as the vulnerable king setting his throne on straw and manger drawing forth the tears of shepherds receiving the gifts of wandering travelers his fame unknown in this world he is jesus the one who thunders through the heavens yet whispers to our hearts who reigns victorious yet bows to serve the broken he is god in the fury the silence he holds this mystery balanced in his hands holds our questions till they lose their need until all we see is him Okay, good afternoon, everybody. How's everyone doing? I'm running double duty here, running some media and a bunch of different things as I'm making my way up to the preaching pulpit here. So I'm so glad you guys are here today. Welcome to Hope for Today. Those of you joining us online, our family, you know, away from home. People are, I think, some are on a cruise ship. Others are, you know, visiting friends. It's the holiday season. It's the best time of the year, amen? So I'm so glad to see all your faces here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. It warms my heart because, you know, I know I sound like a broken record. I guess it's kind of my thing. But with a church plant, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates, right? So welcome. I'm just going to get my uh, slides here ready for... Uh, for speaking uh, to you here this afternoon. I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke uh, chapter 1. 
Um, are you enjoying the Christmas story? You know, it's the time of the year where, and I understand many times we can be guilty of it, we kind of just gloss over it at times. We kind of think like, oh yeah, and we get on with our day, we get on with things. But there's something really special about us looking to the nativity, the occasion for Christ's birth. And as we get into it, as we get into the thick of it, remember these words that Paul uh, shared to the Romans. In Romans 15, he says, And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. Praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope, peace is ours through faith in Jesus and by power of the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with hope today? Hope for today. Every time I just, I love this this backdrop because people say that's what it's all about. That's right, it's about hope for today. Just a quick little announcement um, we do have is to kick off the new year, something to look forward to. We're going to have some swag wag or some merch, whatever you want to call it, to look forward to for the new year. We're going to have some hoodies with hope for today. It's going to be, you know, anyone of all sizes and, you know, whether you're young or old, you're going to be able to enjoy these uh, hoodies, this swag. Um, and it's on purpose because as we're coming out of the Christmas story, hopefully you're enthused and you're excited to tell others about the faith you have in Jesus. So look forward to that. Peace. Peace. Today as we look to Luke chapter 1, as we continue in this nativity story, I want us to walk away with this one thought. Peace is encountered when we have faith in Jesus. When we have faith in God's plan through Jesus. Peace is defined as this. Shalom, the Hebrew, means wholeness, tranquility, calm. It's also synonymous with reconciliation and non-hostility. Think about it. When God sent his son into the world, it was him saying to you, I'm going to bring you wholeness. I'm going to restore you to the full. I'm reconciling that which was lost. I do not look upon you in hostility. This is what this entrance of a Messiah, God with us, is all about. Did you know that the biblical word shalom is also interconnected with having a relationship not only with God, but with one another? Makes sense at Christmas when you look at films and you read stories or you look on the street corners, people are buying gifts and they're talking. There's this extra degree of Peace, more so than other times. Maybe a little more patience with one another. Maybe even so a mutual concern for one another. You look on the corner, you go to Walmart or other stores, you see the Salvation Army kettle. You see people are showing a mutual concern for one another. And it's all circled around peace. Peace. Hope. And as we were looking at last week, as we looked at this first chapter in Luke, the Bible shows us that the people of God were not only to be a blessing to the nations, but to live in cultivating peace with one another. 
And this can be something that can seem far-fetched, especially in the time in which we live. So I want to share a few verses on peace that will help jumpstart Luke chapter 1. And we don't have these on the screen, Isaiah, so don't try and find them. Psalm 37, 37, watch the blameless and observe the upright. For the person of peace will have a future. You want to have a future? Live in peace. Psalm 34, 14, turn away from evil, do what is good, seek peace and pursue it. Proverbs 12, 20, deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. You want to have joy in your life? Pursue peace. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. James 3.18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown by peace by those who cultivate peace. This is something that can be difficult. I get it. I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, even in this Christmas season, you're going around, you know, people are searching even for the same items. You're trying to check off your to-do list or your gift list, and you see someone, you know, grab that last gift. And you have to try and cultivate peace. The prophet Isaiah, some 600 or so years before the arrival of Christ, says this in signaling peace. He says, for a child will be born to us, Isaiah 9, 6, will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah 54.10, though the mountains may move, the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. Just remember those words as we begin. My covenant of peace will not be shaken. The people of God, there was such a long period of time as they're waiting for the arrival of Messiah, the Prince of Peace to arrive. They may have been waiting a little bit. God, Lord, it's taking so long. When is Messiah going to arrive? And they maybe were hinging on the words of the prophet Isaiah saying, my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. God has always been about cultivating shalom peace in his creation. And so as we look to the nativity story here this afternoon, I believe we're going to see as we look to Mary, the mother of Jesus, that as she experienced peace in the faith and God's plan, so we will also overflow with peace in our own life. So let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says this, in, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, 
He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And then Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Peace. In embracing God's plan. How can we encounter peace today? Mary is showing us the first step to peace is as the point I've asked you to walk away with today is by embracing God's plan for peace. If we're looking for peace in different places other than in the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, it's a facade. It's not true peace. It's a masquerade. In Proverbs, we're told, everyone quotes this. It's an incredible portion of scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or know him, and he will make your paths straight. This is what's happening with Mary as she's in conversation with Gabriel. And so a little bit of background story. You know me, I like background stories. Mary's a teenage woman. She's just on the precipice, I should say, of womanhood. She's around the age of 13 to 15 years old. And Gabriel has announced to her, saying that you're called upon to serve as the mother to Jesus, the son of the Most High. Now as you're looking at this, what jumps out at you? Just honestly, as you look at this passage, what do you see? We can see here the focus is on the purpose of Christ's birth. The focus isn't on Mary. We can also see the angel isn't, you know, asking Mary, Mary, would you like to be, would you like to serve in this office, if you will? Do you want this role? No. It's definitely not random because her husband Joseph is from the house of David. This is important. Joseph is a descendant of King David whom God promised to David there will be one of your descendants that will sit on the throne of an enduring kingdom. And that God, the Lord, would fulfill this. And so God's working out his plan, his promise, the fulfillment is coming, and Mary shows us a reverential humility of faith in God's plan. And you might be sitting here today saying, whoa, 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 wait a second. No, she's questioning the angel. She's, she's got her back up here. Well, the question is, does she really? Is her back really up? Look at verse 38 again as we continue in this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I believe as we look at this story, Mary, in many respects, was at peace because of what the angel had told her. Isaiah 26, 3, we're told this. This verse is really important. We're going to throw up on the screen. Isaiah 26, verse 3. 
You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you, God, in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. I think we can all relate with that. When we put our trust, when we put our focus on God, when we trust in his plan, we experience his perfect peace. When you're going through a health crisis, when you're maybe even going through financial ruin, whatever those things may be, when you take yourself off of those circumstances and focus on God who said he's gonna work all things together for your good, what the enemy intended for evil, he's gonna turn around for your good. If you truly believe that, you're gonna encounter peace. Doesn't mean hostility is going to be removed from your life, but it's no longer going to be the focal point. This is something it takes us a while to understand, to comprehend. I think Mary understands this. Ladies, just as I asked the men last week, now it's your turn. Do you think if you were in Mary's shoes, would you respond like her? What would your answer to Gabriel be? <laughs> Get lost, Gabriel. <laughs> You're knocking on the wrong door. What would your answer be? Would it be like Mary, angel of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to the Lord's will? This is something, as you look at this story, it moves us, it should stir us to think, wow, all that Mary was going through as a young woman, just on the beginning of her life, and in verse 28 we see the angel encourages Mary. How oh, you, you gotta love it that God encourages his creation. He loves us. He really cares for us. Like we're singing, God really loves us. He does. <laughs> Look at this encounter. The angel's encouraging. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. He didn't just show up and say, hey, Mary, you have an assignment. Take it or leave it. No. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You know, and looking at what was happening in this time and season and the people of God, it wasn't uncommon for the Lord to encourage his people. All of you have the Bible in your hands and you've probably read through your devotionals and you've seen how when God called someone to a specific purpose or role, no matter the size or degree, he would encourage them. When Moses, the torch was passed from Moses to Joshua, Joshua at one point was a little bit afraid. And he says to Joshua in chapter one, verse nine, have I not commanded you? Do not be terrified or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1.9. And then when Noah, when it looked like the whole world was collapsing in many ways it was, and it was just him and his family, and God calls upon him to build an ark, and he goes to build that ark. It says in Genesis 6 Noah found favor with the Lord. He was encouraging the Lord to fulfill his task. And so in Mary's day, a greeting was normal. Just like we go today, Isaiah comes in the door. We're usually here around 12 o'clock, but today was 1 o'clock. And I go, hey, Isaiah, how's it going? We greet each other. You see each other on the street. Hey, bro, or, you know, whatever your thing may be. In this day, it's normal to just say greetings. But this was a little different. She received a greeting, a status, a title, that most certainly wasn't normal for a woman. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. 
a greeting in their day was directly tied to their status, their titles, whether, you know, whatever your profession may have been. And it's similar today. You're going down the street, and I'm going to pick on my brother just for a moment. For some reason, we have certain professions. When you see people, we always go like, oh, doctor, Dr. Pierce, right? Well, we'll say doctor. But do we say, you know, if, you're, if you see a janitor or you see a teacher or other places, we'll say like, oh, hello, you know, teacher so-and-so or, you know, custodian so-and-so or maintenance worker so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? Here, it was no different. People went according to their titles. And yet women were not typically encouraged in this manner or that of an angel. So this was a special occurrence. And I really had to go searching and thinking, well, how many times has an angel appeared to a, a woman, let alone greeted her with such a title? It's an interesting study. Go look it up. And so this encounter, this greeting was something set apart. And you're thinking, wow, how cool is that? Is not only this is set apart greeting, it goes hand in hand that this birth of the Messiah is going to be completely set apart. Favored woman, the task that's been given unto you is going to be unlike anything the world has ever seen. You're going to conceive by the power of the Most High, the Savior of the world. And it's not going to be the way the world goes about conceiving children. God himself will do this. Your name will be remembered. And so Miriam being called to fulfill this role and this moment, a moment and place in time should encourage us today as we look at the truth of this passage, how do we respond when the Lord calls us? And Christmas is a great time because we are so busy. When people call me when we're preparing for, you know, Advent, and it's, this is my second year in preparing for an Advent series, you know, I need to make time when people call. How do you respond when the Lord puts someone on your heart and you need to set aside a block of time to communicate, to chat, and, and pray for ch- people, and, and the, you know, you understand the, the picture. How do we respond when the Lord calls us? Well, look here in verse 29. Mary initially was troubled, so I'm getting there. You're wondering, well, wait a second. She wasn't like 100% on board, it seems. She, she seemed troubled. It says that she was wondering, thinking, what kind of greeting could this be? And we kind of touched on this. Do you, you know, in many respects, as she's thinking, the angel of the Lord, I believe by the, the presence of God himself, is keeping Gabriel in the loop of what Mary is thinking. Because as she's thinking this, maybe out loud, it doesn't tell us, the angel says, now listen. Now listen. In this situation, Mary, Mary, well, Mary, Mary may have well thought this, do you have the right Mary? Do you have the right location I mean, I'm not one of the of right uh, social status. I have no prominence. I'm like 13 or 14 years old. Are you sure? How do I deserve such a greeting? Doesn't take a historian to see Mary was very green in life. She was just starting out. But there was someone else that was also, in many respects, living an insignificant life at the beginning when he was called. And that was David. David himself, the one who would become king, was not only born from an insignificant town, but in comparison to his other brothers, the prophet Samuel thought surely one of his other brothers would have been a fit king. And yet God tells the prophet Samuel, God doesn't look at things like man looks at things. It says that God looks at the heart. 
So David is born in an insignificant place of Bethlehem. Mary, an insignificant woman, not of prominence or title, and yet is chosen, set apart for this role. And she shows this, this reverential heart, this humility of faith, that she had the right stuff to bear this responsibility. God looks at the heart. As I was reading through this story, I was so thankful. If God looks at the heart and was able to look at Mary in such a way, although she was engaged to Joseph and yeah, it had to be all fulfilled according to prophecy. If God looks at the heart and he can use Mary, he can use any one of us. When we're receptive to his call, when we heed his call. And in Luke 6, 45, we're told this, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And Mary responded from the outflow of her heart. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me according to your word. Just think the kind of pressure that Mary would have been under. The weight of understanding what this meant. See, the the young children would be trained in households from a very young age knowing the scriptures. Just as Paul told Timothy once upon a time, he said, Timothy, you've known the scriptures from your youth that produce in you salvation. The children here, like Mary, coming of age, would be no different. She would have known of Daniel 2.24 that says, In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and his kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. It will itself endure forever. And so point number two is there's peace in knowing the scriptures. We have peace by trusting the plan of God and peace in knowing the scriptures. Mary knew the word. She's been trained in the word like the other people of God. She would have been aware of Micah 5, 2 that says, Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you to be the ruler over Israel for me. And she most certainly would have been aware of, as a woman, in all curiosity, Isaiah 7, 14, of the sign pointing to the Messiah's birth. Ready? We talk about it all the time, maybe on some of your Advent calendars. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. So think about it. If Mary knows the scriptures and the angel shows up and says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And she's kind of puzzling like, okay, favored woman, could, could this maybe be? And then he says, now listen. And he lays out what's going to happen. Peace in knowing the scriptures, trusting in God's plans. You have to appreciate that when maybe you're questioning something, and not in an oppositional type of questioning. Sometimes in today's day and age, we can sometimes think all questions are just oppositional. Well, this is just a reverential type of question, and you have to appreciate the uh, angel's answer. Now listen. I'm going to put your mind at ease, right? Now listen. Here's a plan, Mary, that will fill you with peace. In other words, 
And so he lays out this role. He lays out the description. And Mary was not yet married. She was engaged. And so you can understand this question. You can understand why she's asking it. Well, wait a second. In verse 34, how can this be since I have not yet had relations with a man? She might have been thinking, wait a second, God, are, are you going against the law of your covenant? Are we circumventing things here? Like, I don't quite understand how this is supposed to play. I'm not yet married. How is this going to happen? How is this going to affect her marriage to Joseph? You know, it doesn't take a sociologist or a biologist to understand how babies are made and how the impact of this kind of story would have. Wait, Mary's pregnant and yet she's, she's not married yet. The angel of the Lord said, greetings, right? You're a favored woman. The Lord is with you. And when you can appreciate the Lord's with you, you may face some hostility like she certainly faced. And we know the story and we'll, we'll look at it later on. But she had the peace by trusting in the Lord's plan. And so when a calling like this presents itself, I can't help but think it's common. It's good to ask a question. It's good to ask those questions. Mary asked a question. She wasn't opposed to the angel. She had this reverential response, and I, I believe it shows us here that God delights in our questions, but not in the ones that are oppositional, downright uh, doubtful, or, or in a place of no faith whatsoever or resistant. I, th I think we could all agree here that Mary is not resistant to this call. And he goes on in verse 35 and begins to explain how this is going to happen. You have to appreciate when the Lord calls you to something, he tells you this is how it's going to work. He puts this peace upon your heart. And in Mary's case, he lays it out completely. The Holy Spirit will come upon you with power. And the Most High will overshadow you. And this screams and should shout to us today that you're, we're not alone. Mary wasn't going to carry this burden on her own. There's no way she could have done this on her own. Hello, right? Because the prophecies wouldn't have been fulfilled. It would just been, if she waited to, be, to conceive with Joseph, it would just been another birth. But this was something special. This was something supernatural. She was not alone. He says that the Most High will overshadow you. And I looked up this word, overshadow you. That's not something that you hear all too often, overshadow you. Even in Scripture, it's not used that much, that word specifically. But it's also synonymous with the language, the word that we understand as Shekinah glory. The Hebrew word for the manifest, manifest presence of God. And we talk about that. We sing about that. Lord, fill us with your presence, your, 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 your anointing, your Shekinah glory. Here, the Lord Most High is overshadowing Mary so that this would come to pass. And it's the same as the Shekinah glory, this overshadowing that happened when Moses would go into the tent meeting. Long before the story ever occurred, and we have an image of that in our, in our, uh, our software here, of what this image would have looked like of the tabernacle, a tent in the center of the meeting place of the whole camp of the people of God. And just check that out. What that scene would have looked like, this Shekinah of glory, this manifest presence of God, of heaven touching earth. Just think about that for a second. Isn't that incredible? 
And yet the difference with us today from even when this happened, in, in Moses' time, the people of Israel, you and I have the anointing of the Most High through the power of the Holy Spirit. That he lives within us, he dwells within us, and he gives us peace as we trust in him. It's a liken to that image that we just saw. Just as the angel said to Mary, answering her question, how is this going to be? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and overshadow you. God's not circumventing his own covenant. He's not changing the rules. He's not, most certainly not bending the rules because the marriage bed needed to be kept pure. And there are some teachings out there that this had to occur by a, of, a, of a sexual intercourse, just like with the pagan gods. And God came down, overshadowing means that he seated Mary. Not in the way. This is by no means to be in comparison with the pagan gods of, you know, the pantheon and of, of, of Zeus coming down and laying with a woman. That's how you have Achilles. There's nothing like that. This is completely, again, set apart. Mary set apart. The story of the conception is set apart, truly set apart by the power of the Most High. And so the angel shares this and, and speaks this to Mary, and her response, again, we've, we've looked at it a few times, is classic. I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. I am your servant. This is something that I, I wrestled with. Do I, do I go to this next section in my own prep time? And I think it's important because somewhere along the line, even in the church, the purpose of this story, the nativity of Christ, was about Jesus coming to earth to rescue and save humanity from their sin and establish his enduring kingdom. And we would see the fruition of that when Jesus returns. But somewhere along the line, the statement of humble servant, Mary went from humble servant to almost divine, almost being godlike or being God. Some have even said that Mary is the spouse or the Holy Spirit is the spouse of Mary. And there's this interconnectedness of a twisted nature of the nativity. But Mary tells us right here, no, she's not elevated. Remember, she's not a person of prominence. It's not supposed to be that way. She's saying, I am your humble servant. She's showing us the focus isn't on Mary. The focus is to remain on Christ, Jesus. And Mary encountered this peace when she chose to trust in God's plan of how salvation would arrive on the scene, how people would encounter this peace. And so as you look at this story, as we've looked at this story today, how does it move you? How does it speak to you? One of the, the terms that I like to use as looking over script, scripture is sopa. Not soap, sopa. It means you take the scripture, you observe, you pray over what you've read, and then you apply and as we look at this, that just as God worked through Mary, that she was a, a humble and willing servant, that God most certainly will work through us according to his good purpose. At the end, they just like he sent Jesus into the world to destroy the works of the devil, through you and I, he's destroying the works of the devil. In your life, by the power of the Most High, last time I checked, I'm not going to destroy the works of the devil in my own life on my own. I need the power of the Most High. 
The indwellment of the Holy Spirit. First John chapter three, it says this, the son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 1, 19 to 20, for God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. And so at the end of the day, my encouragement to you here today is to find peace by trusting God's plan and peace by knowing the scriptures. And as you know the scriptures, we will rally behind the truth that Jesus had to come into this world of an immaculate conception completely set apart through willing participants to then give his life as the peace, the reconciliation for our sin. It had to happen. And so this Christmas, we can remember that this shalom that we now encounter, we wake up on Christmas morning and we thank Jesus, we can say that that peace is because of what he's done. There's nothing more for us to do. Lacey, I'm just going to say to you for a sec, just imagine this. You are more loved by God now than you ever will be. You're completely in him through faith. You're justified. You're completely and totally loved because of what he's done. Amen, right? This is something that washes over me when I make a mistake. Thank you, Jesus, by the peace that was brought by your sacrifice. But Mary and Joseph, through them, the flip, the, flip, the, the switch, the flip, the switch happened. The story of human history, this redemptive story came full circle uh, through Adam and Eve. It was disrupted. It, was, it seemed all but lost. But then the angel appears to Mary, just like Satan appeared to Eve, and gives her the opportunity and says to her, greeting, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And he lays out what's gonna happen, how she's part of the redemptive story. And so as the worship team comes, I wanna encourage you with that very same thing, is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his work in our life, that God is continuing to redeem his creation. He's continuing to redeem all things around us, in and through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Just think about your family's circumstances. Just think about all the things that are happening and going around you. Is anything too impossible for God? No. Even if you walk away from here today and you take nothing away, and I hope you're walking away with the emphasis of the purpose of the nativity, but as a sub-point, Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Do unto me according to your will. When you walk out these doors, when you go into your places of work, you can say these very things. God, nothing's impossible for you. I know today's going to be a challenge, but I'm trusting you. You're going to make a way. Just as you made a way for Mary, just as you made a way for Joseph, when people were going after them, trying to kill them and take them out, you're with me. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your direction in my life. And when we remain in a place of humility, even this reverential humility like Mary, that we're favored of the Lord. And he's going to move upon us. And he's going to move through us. Amen? So as the worship team uh, leads us in a time of responsive worship, may you be encouraged this afternoon as you consider this story, this incredible 
occasion for the birth of Christ. Maybe you'll look at it a little differently this year. And the very least to walk away that Jesus really is the reason for the season. Amen? The reason for the season. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we have in your word to be encouraged through your word. Heavenly Father, you are truly remarkable and how you move through your humble servant, Mary. Lord, I thank you that you fulfilled your promise. Lord, I thank you for the example of Mary and the faith that she exhibited by trusting in your plan and that you welcomed the question and had a conversation through Angel Gabriel. And Lord, as we contemplate the various things that you've called us to in our own respective lives, the callings, the giftings that you've given us, Lord, we thank you that as we step out, you give us peace, you move upon us, you empower us to live for you. To live for you. Lord, we believe nothing is impossible for you. Thank you for your anointing that you move upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Nothing's impossible for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to encourage you as the worship team continues to lead us in a song to just thank him for what he's doing in your life as you reflect on this story. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 